This episode is brought to you in part by Regent College, Vancouver, Canada. Experience God's call to a life more abundant with our one to two week summer courses. Sign up today at rgnt.net slash summer. Love, we love these guys. I don't know you guys, uh, you know, uh, colleagues do too. We wanted to let them know how important they were and that we saw what they were doing. We saw their heart. We saw their ministry and we wanted to honor that. Hi, I'm Carl and I'm a small church pastor. My podcast guests today are Dale Sellers with the 95 Network, Chris Vitarelli with Small Church Big Deal, and Carl and Kalani Cully with Big Little Church. Yes, all four of them in the same place, including my wife Shelly along with me. We actually recorded this in a trailer on the grounds of the Lacamas Conference Center in Camas, Washington, because we were all there to speak at the Big Little Church Conference, which is hosted by the Cully family. Because of this, the audio feels a little different than most podcast episodes, but the content is great. In this episode, we talk about why each of them started their small church conferences. We talk about what big church conferences can do to include the needs and voices of small church leaders. And we talked about some first steps if you're interested in hosting a small church conference of your own. And don't forget to stick around when the interview is done. I'll come back with an overview of the content and an answer to the question, can this work in a small church? We are here at the Big Little Church Conference in Camas, Washington, and we are sitting in an RV that is actually a very, very nice RV, so Dale Sellers is using this RV for this week, uh, courtesy of the Cullies, and uh, it's, it's a pre- so thank you for inviting us into your home. Welcome to my new home. I'm, I'm enjoying having you guys here right now. Okay. I will, I will uh, provide you a nice steak dinner when we get finished. Okay, that's that's good to know. Um, I, I doubt that's going to be the case, but <laughs> it's, nice, it's nice to hear the promise anyway. And I'm with Carl and Kalani Cully and Dale Sellers and Chris Vitarelli and off mic because that's where she wants to be is my wife, Shelly. Um, hey, Shelly. But, but she may... There's nothing for me to say. Well, she just said There you so go. There we are. So she may, if you hear a distant voice uh, coming in from there, that's going to be her as well. What I want to talk about today is what we're here doing. We are at a small church conference, and this is, you asked the other night how many years you've been doing this, because you couldn't figure out how many years you've been doing this, which I don't know what that says about you. <laughs> but the first one was 2016. It encapsulates And we missed last year, so this is the fifth. Wow. 16, 17, 18, 19, we skipped 20, this is 21. We, wow. skipped, we skipped two years. Oh, you skipped two yes. years? Oh, okay. Yes. So, so four. four. I thought you just didn't invite me that year. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's next year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. Alrighty, so Big Little Church Conference, we've been doing it since 2016. What was it about, uh, about this? Why did you feel the need to do a conference specifically for small churches? I don't know that uh, we felt a need as much as we felt a strong desire um, because of the lack of what we felt like we were getting uh, at pastors' conferences um, for a small church uh, pastor. And I, we just felt like uh, there was something... Uh, missing uh, for pastors that were uh, long-term uh, in uh, small church uh, settings. And so uh, we just started looking around to see if anybody was talking about it. Okay. So that's Carl Cully. That's the Cullys who are doing this one. Chris Vitarelli, you've also done Small Church Big Deal for... When did you start doing that? That was uh, 2015. Oh, so you're the first on the block. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, and, and yep. so what? What was your reason behind doing it? So I, my my reason really was a, a need. I just felt like there was like I mean like Carl said there was something missing. There was there was a gap I felt in in 
conference dumb, if that is a word. I don't know. <laughs> the, all conference, the events. Conference dumb. That's D O M, not D U S. Yeah, depending on how you um, divide that into a single or I was double word. I'm trying to figure out a word for that. I think I just made one up. But anyway, no, I just felt like there was something missing that, that small churches were not being served in those places. And I also felt like not only were they not being served, but the message they were hearing was actually damaging. Because a lot of them came away discouraged, more yep. discouraged when yes. they came. Yep. They went home with a pile of notebooks and ideas that there was no way they were ever going to implement because mm-hmm. they just didn't have the resource, they mm-hmm. didn't have the capacity, they didn't have the personnel, they didn't have the finances. Everything was was above them. And uh, I said, we we, we got to do something for, for everyone else. Great. And, and Dale, you uh, also do conferences. Where, where did that idea come from for you? Same thing. I mean, I've been to the big, I was a small church pastor for 12 years, and I would go to the conferences. And, and honestly, I, I want to be fair, I, I got a lot of inspiration in those conferences. Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a lot of implementation. Okay. So I got a lot, I, I mean, like I, would, I, I, I went to see, I went to Willie George's church, Church on the Move. It, changed, it was just, it was a, like a bit in a shower. Because I had Willie there and John Maxwell there, and they were teaching all this great stuff. It, and so I, it, it encouraged me, it inspired me, but it didn't give me anything practical that I could do at, in my setting. And, I, and I, all of you know this, you, you try those things, but they didn't work. And so uh, when I began to lead 95 Network, we've done about 30 one-day conferences all over the country. And, and, and our concept is we, we want to do them in a, in a we refer to do them in a, in a fellowship hall or a family life center. Uh, we would like to do them around round tables. Uh, I don't have music. It's not, I love music, I love worship, but I don't do it because if somebody comes in and they don't have a band as good as the house band, they are, I've already lost them before it starts. I don't, uh, I don't use, like, you have all the nice LED light stuff, in, in that, which you have to use in this room, but like, I don't let the church cut the lights on. I make them do the fluorescent lights. I don't use a microphone if I, if I don't have to. I, I want it so, to be. So you're in the basement on linoleum with much. folding metal folding uh, yeah, chairs. In, in Albany, New York, it was just like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. But I do that intentionally because I want them sitting around tables. We, we are very, very uh, strict on our schedule. So uh, the speaker has 40 minutes, and then then there's a 20 minute breakout to where those pastors who meet each other for the first time are answering the same questions from the breakout, and it's the coolest thing in the world because they'll take snapshots together of the new friendships they've made which is a core value yeah. of ours. And so we do that, and we cover the topics, and, and we try to get done on time, and we try to provide them a great We charge them 35 bucks, and that includes lunch. Right. So we don't, we don't do it for free, because all of you know if we do anything for free, they don't value it. But, but, but the, the concept was to help them feel uh, encouraged. And it's because of growing up and, and going, to the, uh, going to those conferences when I was pastoring, I didn't feel encouraged. You know, what we say is, you know, people leave these big conferences with one of two things. They either one go out there, I could never do that stuff. I'm glad that church can do it, but I could never. Or worse, they come back and say, I'm going to try to do that stuff. And so they buy a hazer, which is not, you know, it's a hazer. It's not a smoke machine. And they and, and in two weeks, they're looking for a new church. Spoken like a former concert promoter. Yes. I want to make sure we use the yes. right. Yes. The well, right everybody calls it smoke. And it's, <laughs> it's not, not smoke. smoke. It's haze. <laughs> but but it's, it almost, you know, they come back and it almost splits the church. And so yeah. we've designed our, we're very intentional about how we've designed our, our conferences to be encouraging and, and, and to level the playing field. That's kind of the mindset. So the, the, the conceit of this podcast is we want to take a look at the way a, a principle is typically taught and then take a look at how how it might not meet the need of certain small churches and then how do we adapt that to the small church context. So let's start with that idea. When we're looking at a big church conferences and not a person in this room is anti-big church. I know every one of you yes. and anybody who knows me knows that as well. It's just simply that we have to recognize the differences so that we can teach properly from and into a, a different context. So what is it about the big church conference that misses the mark for the typical small church pastor. We've already referenced that there's a lot of inspiration. How did you phrase it, Dale? But not implementation. But not, but, but not, so what is it that's missing in the impl- implementation? Let's start with uh, that. I think, uh, if I can be fair, and I don't want to say anybody's names, but there's a lot of larger church pastors who do the conferences who started in small churches. And I know these men, their heart is to help small churches, but they've forgotten what it's like. Yeah. So they'll say they'll say things like, "Well, you just you know you just need to spend five thousand dollars on this," and, and and to them that's a drop in the bucket. I'm from the perspective, uh, dude. We literally, and and maybe you've experienced it too. We had to count the offering on Sunday to see if I was getting paid. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. We had board meetings where you'd sit down in a board meeting, and I would our secretary would lay the bills on the table and say, okay, we can't pay something. Something's going to be cut off this week. And the church that I pastored, we had the water cut off three times. Mm-hmm. Because there was no money. Yeah. I, I, I get I got back our my check bounced a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know what that's like. So mm-hmm. and I know you know it's like it's like some guy says, Well, you know, you can join our membership and it's only twenty five hundred dollars. I'm like that just doesn't relate to where we are and ninety five percent well, eighty seven percent of all the churches in America are under two hundred and most of us can't afford to even implement those ideas. And and and, and I just think sometimes the disconnect is Sometimes people forget just how broke we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that sounds horrible, but mm-hmm. it's just true. And the word is broke, not broken. Yeah, financially. There's a difference between this oh, yeah, those yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and one of the things on that that I've noticed as well. You're right. You have a lot of big church pastors who really do have a heart to want they to do. help a small church. They've been there. They get it. There's this is not a lack of desire or of passion on their part, but. It's really different to have been a pastor of a small church who blew past certain numbers in a very quick succession and and got big in a very short period of time, as opposed to, okay, I get that you were at 100 for three weeks. <laughs> right. Uh, I've been at, I've been under a hundred for ten years, and unless you've be, uh, unless you've been at those spots for a long period of time and known the frustration of staying at those static places numerically, that's simply a different viewpoint that they've never lived in, they've never experienced. So there's nothing wrong with what they're teaching because from their context, but it doesn't match the context of people who are sitting in a place for a long period of time. Yeah, and if I could just add to that, I think the other thing that I noticed in, in a lot of those conferences is they would sometimes bring someone to the platform who would say, you know, I, I planted this church and, you know, our first year was really rough, but then people started coming and they came so fast we didn't know what to do with them all. And we were trying to find this property and we were trying to do this and God did all these miracles. And it's like, you know, almost to say like you can have this same trajectory, like this could happen to you, which I think is, is sort of, it would be similar to, you know, I mean, Carl, because you mentioned this earlier that the fact that it's, and you did too, actually, Dale, so weird that you're holding your book. I mean, it's and that you, you've got the these world. books. It'd be like you standing so up in front of a group of just, you know, pastors and saying, if you follow my plan, you too can have a, a, a book, book deal with Moody or you know whatever. And, and that's that David C. Cook. David C. Cook. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to get both in there. But you know, that, but that's what I'm saying. I want to get lost like, in that one. Okay. That does not. That doesn't compute. Yeah. Do you get paid for? Uh, in, in uh, well, I want. I want to do another book. So you got to understand. David C. Cook. Don't leave him hanging. I mean. But you know what I'm saying? Like it just doesn't. That wouldn't fly in a group like that. They'd go, well, that's just not. That doesn't work for me. I'm, that, that, I'm not that person, you know. And because your circumstances are very different from theirs, God did something unique in your life and in your life, and it, just like he did in that pastor's life, to grow their church at that rate and in that way, that's not something you duplicate. Yeah. You know, I mean, can you imagine if Joseph was like going to write a leadership book and he was like, this is how you take second in command in a country and feed all the people, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, this is how we did it. He, like that way. Who is he going to sell that book to? You know, that's yeah. a unique move of God. Yeah, when we were driving away from conferences, often I would say to Carl, "Could they not just share? Can they just not give us five minutes of their worst day?" And what I was trying to articulate, I think, was just some relatability. Mm-hmm. Please, just some relatability, because, like Dale was saying, we came away inspired. Mm-hmm. We came away encouraged. A lot of times, the Lord would speak things to us absolutely through uh, through these speakers, and uh, and 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 much of it was very very good. But we came away discouraged. I have a great at the story same time. that goes with that. Uh, so John Maxwell, everybody knows John, leadership guru, and he doesn't really do a lot in the small church space. But when John first started, uh, you know, he started a small church and it grew and it developed. And he told this story back in the 80s. He was at a conference where he was the keynote speaker. He was at this second church and it had grown so big. And, and he said, it was, I think it was his denominational conference, he said but he, he sat in the balcony. He was the keynote speaker for the final night. And he watched. He literally watched body language. He, he sat in the balcony and he said he watched as they paraded their, the, the star churches. So, like, you know, our church grew from 500 to, you know, 1,000. And you can do that, too. Or, and, and, and all the churches were in the 1,000 range. But he said he literally watched the body language of the pastors just diminish. 
So he had planned this big hoorah message he was going to preach. And he said, God spoke to him and said, I want you to can your message. And I want you to teach a message called fumbles, failures, and flops. And I want you to get up and tell all the things you've done wrong. So the fun part of the story was he, he's going to lunch with his wife, Margaret, and, he, and he, he tells her about it. And she's like, oh, that's a great idea. And he says, look, I've made a list of my, my, my 12 top fairies. He goes, she goes, oh, no. She said, there's a lot more than that. <laughs> and so he said he literally got mad at her as they're riding to lunch. And she came up with like 25 things. But he said he got there, and he got up and introduced that sermon. And he said, when he got through, the place went nuts. And guys are high-fiving each other and all this. Because he here's a, here's a guy, quote-unquote, who's made it, who didn't forget where he'd come from. And, you know, and boy, if the big conferences would do that, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's, again, I'm, I'm thankful for success, but nobody's always successful. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, now, fumbles, failures, and flops, maybe the problem is the Lord doesn't speak to me in alliterations. <laughs> Maybe if he, he does me. He, he does you. Yeah. yeah no. What you're talking about though is, is really real because um, I mean, all of us have come into the ministry we're doing now through the doorway of our own feel of our own failures or at least feelings of failure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And the greatest ministry that God has given us for the healing of others comes out of those times of failure. And I and we've seen it. I mean, anybody who, who's watched or spent much time at conferences or in watching sermons or whatever has recognized that the greatest connection you're going to have with people is not talking about your mountain high, but it's going to be a talk about talking about your valley low mm-hmm. and how the Lord brought you through that. And that's where we really resonate with people. And I think that's, well, I think that's something that we need to be thinking more about because that's really where we're, a lot of us are coming from and where most of what we're seeing, when, you, when we see, because the same thing you mentioned, I watch, and, and, and Shelly will, will see it when she sits at the back of the book table often, and we can watch the body language it's shift mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as we get to certain parts where we start sharing out of our losses yes. and out of mm-hmm. our failures mm-hmm. and of our challenges, and you start seeing a look of recognition in their eyes going, oh, okay. Me too. I guess I'm not the only person in the room. And you can start seeing burdens lifted, Absolutely. which is, I think, one of the reasons why it's so important for small church pastors and ministries to get together to share yes. these things that we have in common. Otherwise, we feel like, I must be the only one who's failing like this mm-hmm. when you're at the, you know, on, on to better and better and better things conferences. Mm-hmm. So l- let me shift from that, just kind of segue into the next thing. So what are some of the things, if there's somebody listening who is maybe overseeing a bigger church conference, and maybe they're even wondering, um, how can we get more small church pastors to come? Why don't they come? I've heard some people in, in some big church conference settings say, well, you know, big, if, they, if the small church pastors really cared, they'd figure out a way to get here. <laughs> and I just want to, you know, roll, I roll my <laughs> eyes, and, and that's, that's, that's my most polite response that I can give to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what, would, what would you say to people who do organize big church conferences about what they could change or what they could adjust, how, what lens could they see things through differently, one, to get more small church pastors to be there, and then if and when we do arrive, to, uh, to recognize our differences while we're there. What would be some of your advice? Any thoughts? First thought would be to um, honor them when they arrive. Treat them special encourage mm-hmm. them because if you're good up in my mind i'm thinking of several of the big church conferences and they usually have people in the parking lot greeting everybody make a big deal <clears throat> about these guys coming because they don't they don't get that i have the gift of encouragement the bible talks about in romans so i'm a natural encourager but i don't ever get encouragement yeah and very few small church people ever mm-hmm. we hear whatever we do wrong but very seldom do we ever get any encouragement i would do that and then i double back on what i said earlier I would love to hear some of the uh, the most well-known there are talk about some of their fumbles, failures, and flops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that encouragement, I mean, all you guys do that well, but the first one that I went to that really overwhelming with that was Small Church Big Deal. When you guys did that in Fenton, and it was, I walked in the room, and it felt like, okay, this does not feel like a small church conference. It was the size of a small church conference, but the quality level of it from the people who greeted to the way the tables were set up, to the room and the way it was used, to I think it was a relative of yours who went to a local Christian bookstore yeah. and went to the 75% off table and said, if you'll give me everything in your 75% off stock for 90% off, was that what it was? Yeah, something like I'll that. I'll take yeah. it. And there were 
tables and tables and tables worth of books and CDs and all kinds of other things for free. Pick whatever you want, walk out with your own swag bag full of stuff. Those kinds of things that just everybody in that in that room walked out that day yeah. feeling just elevated and really treated special. And you guys have followed up in the same thing. But Chris, you guys did it. The f first one I remember doing it at that level of quality. Yeah. We wanted we wanted to roll out the red carpet. Mm -hmm. they, you know, we love we love these guys, and I know you guys, uh, you know, uh, colleagues do too. We wanted to let them know how important they were, and mm -hmm. that we saw what they were doing. We saw their heart. We saw their ministry, and we wanted to honor that. Um, and so I, I think I would agree that, that that needs to happen at some of the larger conferences. I think that it starts even before that, though. I don't see why a large-scale conference like that couldn't scale the cost for churches of a certain size. Mm -hmm. yeah. To say, hey, you got 75 people in your church in regular attendance. We Absolutely. know you're going to have trouble with this. Can we take the cost down a little mm -hmm. bit? That's simple. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, I say it's simple, but it, that's... There are ways to do that. There are ways well, to some do of that. them, honestly, if you... If, if the, have the thought they would they the people in the church would have scholarship pastors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. again one of the things I think happens is is there's this mindset that exists that they the big churches think less of us. I don't think they think of us. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think they think less of us. Mm -hmm. They're so busy doing their thing mm -hmm. that they just don't think about what we're dealing with out here. And so but if they made a presentation, I'll give you a great example. We did this thing, we used to do this thing when I was uh, at a church, and every year we would do a, uh, a it call, I called it Youth for Truth. It was a thing we did in January to start the year off right. And I would, uh, I would buy, have to buy 400 pizzas. And, and everything that I did, my pastor made me pay for it. I mean, it had to pay, it had to cover its cost. So what I did was I got, I went to the Domino's guy and got him to sell me large pizzas for $4.25. Then I got it from the congregation and said, how many of you would buy a pizza to help a kid? Mm -hmm. And so, so, and again, every year we always sell the pizzas. The same thing is true with this. If, if the larger churches would just present to their congregation, we've got these small church pastors coming in. Some of them need to help offset the cost with travel. Some of them need help offset the cost. We can take care of reducing the cost of the event itself. But again, I don't want to overdo this because it doesn't need to be free. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I have seen is if you do it for free, it is not appreciated. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be some kind of skin in the game mm -hmm. from the small church pastor. But again, especially with travel or hotels, mm -hmm. I, I'm convinced in the larger churches, there's people that help pay for that stuff. We just don't give them a chance. Yeah, there's a conference I know of that actually they asked their congregation to house mm -hmm. some people. You know, and that's a great that's a great idea too. Mm -hmm. um, I I think also you know to and again this may not be a draw. But I think it's something a, a big-scale, large-scale conference could do that would at least acknowledge, and that is to find, because there's some amazing small church pastors out there, amazing preachers, great servants, guys that have so much experience. And I think it would be awesome to make that a part of, of some of these conferences, to have a guy, hey, so-and-so has been in ministry for you know 50 years and just kind of sit at his feet. He's been 50 years in ministry in a church of like 100 people. And, and to hear mm -hmm. what that's like. Because there's, I mean, there's guys that they, they hop from church to church to church to church, you know, and I would love to just, I'd love to sit at the feet of a guy like that and just pick his brain and hear about that. I mean, what kind of, what would that look like in a large scale conference? What would that track be like? You know, if you said, hey, this is the longevity and ministry track or something like that, or this is the small church track. And I think they have yeah. so, done some of that because you've done some of those, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, th that's, that's beginning to grow. And, and I, think, I, I think it's really important. I think what you platform, you promote. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so if, if, we, if we don't see anybody who looks like us on the, on the main stage, mm -hmm. and I, I, I've been grateful to often been invited to do a, a breakout or whatever, and that's great. <laughs> but recently I'm getting invited to a, a, a couple where I'm on the large stage, mm -hmm. and that changes the perception of people. Mm -hmm. Being in the workshop, that's great. I'll take any time I can do that. But it still kind of says that's secondary. Mm -hmm. But you don't need. It doesn't need to even need to be like. I, I'm, we're not demanding. We're not demanding anything, and we're not. We're not asking that a, a conference has only small church pastors. But put one. You know, give one slot to somebody who's coming from a small church perspective to share what ninety percent of pastors are yes. going through, because if they don't see it, they won't. We, like like you said, it's not that they don't don't think about. That they don't. They don't look down to us. They don't think about us at all. Mm -hmm. But if once it's platformed, it starts being recognized. There's somebody at this conference who came to me and said they they are here because they saw me at the Rethink conference just outside Atlanta a couple of years ago. This massive conference, you know, eight thousand people. They had me on, on a couple of workshops, and they had me on stage in front of eight thousand people in this huge auditorium. I was only on stage in the interview process for about ten minutes. 
But when they saw the name with me connected here, they came here because they saw me on the big stage. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it gives a, a credibility mm-hmm. to what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you platform, you give some credibility mm-hmm. to. How honest do you want this to, come, this to be? <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I've got an editor, okay, so go good. ahead. Well, I'm going to go here then. <laughs> I, I think that to make that work, the, the promoters that we're talking to or the organizers have to get a new definition of success. It has mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, they, they don't have us on their, and I shouldn't say us, they don't have the person you just mentioned on the stage because they don't view that as success. Sorry if I shouldn't have gone there. But no, it's you're just, it's, right. it's just you're that, right. you know, fifty. I, I, and I told a story this yeah. last breakout I did. I just told a story about it. I, I recently worked with a, a church up in Chicago Heights. The pastor's 74 years old. Um, you, you know, it, I honored him. Because he's been doing it for 50 years. Mm-hmm. He would never be on the stage at something like that. And I'm not saying he should, but but we need, every all of us need a due definition of success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. You know, uh, not just success, but health. The yes. thing that makes uh, you guys magic to me uh, to speak to uh, small church pastors is you can see a guy... Uh, or a gal, absolutely killing it in a situation, doing a fantastic job pastoring a church of 70 people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that church being uh, on fire and electric and uh, healthy, and and it's not always numeric. Sometimes, uh, oftentimes, you know, after decades of going to conferences, that the main theme was... Uh, church growth, church growth, church growth, church growth. Uh, if if your church is healthy, it's growing. And here's how to break the 100 barrier. Here's how to break the 200 barrier. Here's how to break, you know, and th- it literally was all the conferences were about. And um, that nobody wants to go to a conference that, uh, that the speakers are some dude you've never heard of in some backwater situation uh you want to hear the guy that's knocking it out you know and uh so i get it i understand why it works that way but if these guys themselves who are uh, developing these uh, conferences would understand that the definition of health is not big from a promoter's perspective let me even go deeper with that so promise keepers you, you guys are very familiar with that when promise keepers first started everyone was a-list speakers A-list speakers, they were all sold out. It was huge. They made an intentional decision to just go to B and C-list speakers, and it collapsed. Yeah. So so I get it. Yeah. So I'm not saying it has to be all. The mistake they made was they, they went all B and C-list. Uh-huh. And again, yeah. I hate using that terminology, but it communicates what yeah. we're trying to say. So all we're saying is just... Just throw us a bone. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just throw us a bone. <laughs> Here's what actually, when I, was, when I was very first starting out in the church where Shelly and I met, my dad was the pastor, and my dad was, was a great missions pastor, just amazing. And he put me in charge of the missions convention the first year that we were at this church. And he said, I want every single missionary in our denomination, in this section of our denomination, who is, who is off the field or who is a home mission, I want you to invite every single one of them, and we're going to figure out how to put every single one of them somewhere. But you're going to get these two people, and he named the two people, and they were really well-known, big-name missionary speakers that everybody wanted to show up for. He says, I'm going to give them the main two spots on the platform mm-hmm. because we're going to advertise that these two major missionaries are here. But then we're also going to figure out, this was a larger church at the time, I was an associate pastor, but we're going to figure out how to put every single one of them in as many venues as they're able to be here for. We're going to hold it for an entire week. So what happened was the big names brought in and built up the excitement, Mm -hmm. but then we had constant opportunities for you to hear. In Sunday school classes, as a devotional before the choir, we had a a school, and every single single class every day had a missionary speaker. We just put them, I I think I calculated, calculated it up at one point, it was over 150 speaking slots that week wow. that I coordinated. Only two of them <laughs> were these two big name missionary yeah. speakers that mm-hmm. everybody knew. The other 148 were missionaries that nobody knew, but they were thrilled yep. because they got a chance to speak. And we said, how many days can you be here? You can be here five days, I'll give you five slots. Mm-hmm. 
And if you and if you show up on Sunday, you can't speak on Sunday morning, but we're going to put you on the platform, we're going to introduce you, and the people who saw you speak all week will see you again on Sunday. And so we used the, the balance of the two, and I think that's something that you know big church conferences could do quite easily. Mm-hmm. We're not asking, you know, we get it that you if you you got to pay your bills, Absolutely. so you're going to have to have mm-hmm. a name that people recognize and want to show up for. Mm-hmm. But just ha- have us included in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's important for the people we represent, the small church pastors that we represent, to see themselves represented at these things. They're not coming if they already know you look down at them. Yeah, Yeah, being recognized can't be, we're going to pray for all the pastors that are pastoring these small churches that God will bless them and bring breakthrough. And look, there are a a lot of us out here that are thrilled and happy doing what we're doing, loving it, and uh, experiencing breakthrough, and don't need to be uh, worried about. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by The Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on The Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. Well, let's let's shift to that then. Let's talk. So we've, we've talked about the big church uh, conference. Hopefully, we've given some, given some help as to how that can include us and, and include the folks that we represent. We're not talking specifically about us. Um, but what about the small church conference? For anybody who's out there who's thinking, hey, you know, I'd like to have a small church conference. I'd like to put one on because at this point, it's, it's going to have to be somebody who's probably either never done a conference before or who's done them maybe regionally who decides, yeah, that's going to be a thing I'm going to want to do. All of you have experience in doing this. All of you do it very, very well. So what would be a handful of, uh, of the f- first couple pieces of advice you'd give to people who are thinking of starting a small church conference? They need to already be connected. So when we book a, we book one of the 95 network conferences, uh, we don't charge the host. It's a, there's no cost for the host. All we ask them to do is provide lunch. Uh, and then we charge 35 bucks a head for who shows up. But, but what we do ask them to do is you, you are the main promoter. You are the, nobody knows who we are. Nobody knows who 95 Network is. And so, so if we come to a town we've never been to before, we are completely dependent on you to get the people there. So, so our thing is, you know, if you want to host a conference, uh, I'm going to, we're doing a conference uh, in June um, in near Dayton, Ohio, Indiana area. And this pastor is part of a, a network of pastor, a pastor's group that already meets multi-denominational thing and then he's also part of a group within his denomination so the particular host pastor is very well connected yeah. with probably 40 50 other pastors that's the kind of host that you need uh, someone and we and we've had the flip happen where we had someone try to book a conference because they loved what we did he was not connected and we had to cancel it because he couldn't get yeah. anybody to sign up yeah. so they've got to be connected mm-hmm. first yeah and that pastor's mm-hmm. already invited us for october here's <laughs> yes, same guy yeah, same yeah. guy i was talking to dale uh, a few weeks ago and I was telling him, you know, I think promotion is hard. Now he says promotion's easy. I don't believe you. Promotion is easy for you. guys who do promotion naturally. Yeah, and that's him. Yeah. So <laughs> this is this is something that I would say: be prepared for the fact that nobody from your town's going to come, because not only do uh, sometimes pastors of big churches not define success the way we would define success, pastors of small churches don't either. Right. Yeah. And so if you're a small church pastor and you're putting on a conference, their expectation is that it is going to very definitely be a B film. It's not going to it's not going to be something that they're going to want to attend and that they're going to get a lot of out of a lot out of. So it's it's a push. And um, we have pastors here this 
uh, week from New Mexico, Pennsylvania, uh, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, and we literally have a small handful Mm -hmm. local. When you had people stand up from various states, there were... There wasn't more than two or three more people who stood up for Washington, which is where we are, right, than right. for other states that had come from yeah. a long now, distance. Now, yeah. Carl is very much connected here in in our area. He attends a, a pastor's meeting twice a month and prays with these guys, has developed a relationship with these guys. Uh, we gave them all uh, gift cards and nice flyers and uh, these little rubber bracelets and and Carl <laughs> talked to them, and and uh, I think one, I think Adrian's here, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's it, mm-hmm. you know. And he's probably pastors the largest church yeah. of the group so, of pastors. So there. just, I, I would say just be prepared that, that, that that's a little um, uh, hard plowing in your own, just like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little town. hard plowing you, in your own though, town. You, this is like, basically, we've, I don't, I can't, I don't have no idea how many years y'all have done this because I've heard anything from five to four. <laughs> <laughs> but is, is it possible that some of the people locally don't, haven't come because they've been before? Is that a possibility? No, uh, no, no. we've never had it. Uh, no. Hardly any uh, turnout. I'll tell you one thing that I think would be magic and I've not been successful in making this happen yet. But, uh, I still believe in that fivefold ministry Mm -hmm. uh, of Ephesians 4. And I believe that a lot of these really influential churches, the larger churches in a region, uh, that that those guys have an apostolic role in uh, a lot of local churches, uh, of small, small churches. And I think if these guys would see the value in a conference that is geared towards those guys, that this is something that that can be really easily provided mm-hmm. for uh, these guys that this guy's trying to mentor and and, and uh, feed and 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 bring up, um, and and they would promote it. Can I lean know? in here? This is actually happening for us now. We have some mega churches in a sense who are literally. Doing our conference because they, here's what they said: Look, we want to help small churches. We have no idea what to do, so we're going to bring you in. That's, that, that's magic. That's just starting that's happening. Fantastic. And the other thing I want to piggyback on what you were saying is: I, for now, because this podcast will air pretty soon. Right now, people are looking for help. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you've ever thought about doing a conference, even the mm-hmm. experiences that we've all had when the local people don't, this this there may be in just a new twist for a while because nobody knows what to do mm-hmm. and you know and so but that's what we have i mean i literally the, the we had i had dinner with a, a very large church a few weeks ago with a pastor and he was like you know we, we want to help small churches and he literally we don't know what to tell them so we're going to bring you in i would i would love to see more of that for sure i think it's going to happen if, if you could keep what makes the small church conferences we've done so great and that is the time around the tables mm-hmm. and that interaction mm-hmm. And I would say if anybody wants to do a small church conference, I think if you're not the person that can make schedules and handle registration and do all those details, get someone who can. Because I'd rather not do a small church conference promoted by a small church than do one that's really poorly done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're mm-hmm. going to do it, make it top notch, top quality, mm-hmm. so that you don't burn a whole bunch of small church pastors on an event. Like, and we offer uh, when if they book us, we we offer all the promotional help. We mm-hmm. we've we've got it all. We teach, we do a Facebook page for them. We we walk them through how to do. It. And that our friend who's bringing us in is already wearing me out because he wants more. And that's great. I mean, we'll get it to him. So so. The, it's incumbent upon who you're bringing in to also help you because the, the colleagues they, they, they they're big time concert promoters so they can do this stuff in their sleep okay <laughs> but but most people who bring us in are just pastors who want to help mm-hmm. right. and they don't know how to promote anything. Listen, practically speaking, I would say liken it to planning a wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the main uh, pieces of, of? I mean, you need the preacher, you need the cake, you need the dress. No, most people don't stop there. And the DJ. And the DJ. <laughs> I'm right. sorry. I'm sorry. Some of, some of our people don't DJ. Okay, I'm sorry. But most people don't stop there. They plan special things that 
are for their guests. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where you can expand that and make it a little bit more your own, your own flavor, and, and just think up ways. Uh, and, and, you know, they don't have to be super innovative. They can just be typical. So you find know? the people in your life who have the gifts of hospitality. Yes, mm -hmm. you know, yes. hospitality. And, and administration yes. Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. Because quite often they feel, uh, they're trying to figure out, how how does how does what I do fit into ministry? Mm -hmm. And they'll they'll come out of the woodwork for something like this because it will really feature their gifts. Yes. It doesn't just need yes. it; it really features their gifts. Yes. And one thing, our we consider our conference successful if it has thirty people. Mm -hmm. See, so our, our our you know when we start getting up in the eighties. Uh, and we've done one at 120. We can do what we do, but we we never we never want to lose the heart of the conference. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so one of the things we want to make sure people listening understand is the success of a of these top conferences. Don't, they don't have to be huge. You know, we're all still young. We don't mind traveling. You know, mm -hmm. we'll do as many as we can right mm -hmm. now. Then the day may come, and we've even talked about doing this where we, we do some regional things together, and those may get a little bit bigger. But but the heartbeat of what we do is mm -hmm. exactly what we're doing here with you well, guys. Well, and the the impact is there because, like I said, you we've got people from all over the country here. Mm -hmm. and I heard you had some idiot from South Carolina that showed up. <laughs> yeah, we tried say to. All. We, <laughs> I can't say all. <laughs> Um, for, for those of you listening in who have no idea what just happened, Dale pronounces anointing oil as anoint Noel. <laughs> and I still can't say it, right? And, and even when he tries to tell us what he's doing, he still can't wrap his lips around. That's what you were saying, because I was lost. <laughs> oh, that happens everywhere I go. I should stay away from the whole oil thing. Well, we did it. Yeah, but I have to go real slow. Yeah, really and I think that we had about 30 or 32 registrations uh, this year, which was actually about half again as many as we had in the previous, the previous years, years. Uh, which we did not expect because we thought COVID would maybe have a, a, a more negative impact uh, than a positive one. But, uh, but each one of those pastors is going back to a region. Yes. And and going back to a region, hopefully, anyway, encouraged and with, you know, uh, more tools and, and 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 just more courage to do exactly what they are called there to do. And so I see that as a huge win. Yeah, yeah. Bottom line is there are a lot of opportunities for small church conferences. Uh, there are people who are doing it well who would give you all kinds of advice, any of any of the wisdom that they have, um, and we are willing to come out for smaller groups. I mean, if, if, if somebody doing a small church pastor's conference isn't willing to come to a smaller crowd, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. maybe you shouldn't invite them. <laughs> and, and, and as Dale was saying earlier, there is an inverse correlation. While certainly we'd love it if this conference, for instance, was 80 or 100, that'd be great. But we also recognize once you get past certain numbers, it really does lose the sense of relationship and intimacy. Mm -hmm. So you have to reconfigure it. If When I go to conferences, and they are larger, 200, 400, you know, we've been at a couple that are a thousand or so. We, you know, I'm thrilled to speak to a thousand people. I've done that two, maybe three times in my life. But the hallway is a totally different. I'm standing by myself in the hallway. Mm -hmm. Here, mm -hmm. it's constant conversation mm -hmm. and, and connection and relationship. And so each has their value. But we are certainly, we lean into the idea of the smaller group where we get to have relationship, we get to be able to, to do it in that way. So let's, so much great information, but I've got the lightning round, and since there are so many of us, this is going to take us 75 minutes to get through. Just um, to stay old, just, and Yeah, and then we'll move from Dale to the others, and that'll take another <laughs> <time>. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That was truth. Yeah. That's just truth. Uh, it's just all there is to it. All righty. So, I burned it at lunch yesterday. So Let's start with question number one to, uh, to, to Carl here to my left. What are the biggest changes you've seen in your field of ministry in the last few years, and how have you adapted to it? The, the, the biggest uh, changes, I, I think, um, have been uh, like they're, they're invisible. Um, the, the stress, the anger, the animosity, the division, the, the fear mm -hmm. that, uh, that uh, permeates the church has been uh, uh, really formidable. 
And um, how have I changed to adapt to that? I've, uh, I've done some things to make myself less angry. Um, I erased news apps off of my phone. Smart man. <laughs> um, I have uh, reevaluated my value system where I thought I was right about a lot of things, and I'm finding out I was not maybe wrong, but nowhere near as right as I thought I was. And, uh, and coming back to the realization of what an honor it is to just love people, um, even if they're uh, really unlovely. And we've seen um, uh, some difficult things, people angry, you mm -hmm. know, and... And uh, hearing you talk about trauma, and, uh, oh, well, see, I've talked too long. But, uh, yeah, I, I, the, the, it, I, the, the challenges I've seen have been um, kind of invisible, and the ad adaptations have been very, very internal, not practical. Great. Kalani. Um, well, I, I think this, just this whole movement of affirming and valuing the small church, I mean, that has been delightful mm -hmm. for me to be a part of. And um, so I, I very much have been enjoying that. I, I, I'm going to throw this in here, cause it, and I realize that it's, it's a little bit of a touchy topic, but um, as a woman mm -hmm. leader in the church, you know, I just, I wish God would quit using women. Um, because it's problematic, it seems to be, and I'm sure that there are some men out there who are saying amen right now, but, uh, um, but being 63, um, a lot of the fear of that has kind of fallen off. I, I care less, and I, and I, <laughs> and I'm more comfortable with my skin, but, um, I'm just really, really thrilled um, to to be a part of um, affirming small church pastors. Yeah. I didn't ever plan that or see it coming. Um, I I just had my own uh, frustrations and disappointments sometimes. A lot of disappointment in ourselves, you know, uh, because I didn't think that we were uh, ever going to get there, and um, and and so just not having that anymore. It's not that I... It's liberating. Yeah, it's liberating. It's not that I um, despise church growth or don't want to grow or that I'm doing things to prevent growth. My gosh, mm. no. Um, and I'm still a pretty driven person. But, uh, but just relaxing into that, you know, calling, you know, what you were saying about um, God gave you the church that you've got. And to constantly go around being dissatisfied about it is really uh, an insult, you know, to what he has given. And I, I love our church, and I think that it has affected the way we pastor and what we expect of our people. And our church is happier, mm -hmm. and they are more responsive um, to our leadership, um, you know, because we're not driving them, you know. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that made any sense. Absolutely. That's Great. the way a woman talks. <laughs> the most exciting thing that has happened for us in the last three years is about 50%, and this is not scientific, it's just a hunch, about 50% of the churches we work with just don't want to die. Mm -hmm. If we meet a church that doesn't want to die, we can help it. Mm -hmm. That's, and that has been great because they're, you know, the denominations are not helping their people very much to keep re repackaging the same old stuff, and so that's been very encouraging. Great. Uh, so one one change that I've noticed, and this is just in the last year, uh, when we went on uh, stricken online for a while and we're doing all the streaming. And this might be a little off topic. I don't know, but we'll no, see. Um, so I, I noticed that people's attention spans have changed um, with the pandemic. And so it's made me rethink our services um, and their length and my presentation and even our music and everything about our service. Like, 
thinking of, thinking about it in a new way that it's going online. So that's just a change that I see happening, and I'm just I guess I'm in the midst of adapting right now. I'm no, to that's out very that much on topic, absolutely. Okay, mm -hmm. second question. We'll go in reverse order on this one. What free resources, an app or a website, have has helped you lately that you'd recommend for small church ministry? <sighs> I I have been listening through. Uh, Craig Rochelle's leadership podcast. I know he's a big church guy. He's Life Church TV or whatever. He's also a big you. muscle guy. Yeah. yeah. But you know, <laughs> I, this stuff's solid. You know, I can't argue with any of it. And he's just, I, I, I hear his heart and everything that he does. And I think small church pastors, small church leaders uh, would really benefit from his leadership uh, counsel and advice. The Carl Vaders. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And you didn't even did, pay. I, he didn't I, even I didn't know I was free. <laughs> well, the, the thing. So what are you the, paying him for? You are part of. The thing that we created on the 95 Network, our new website we just built, we created something called a resource directory. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so passionate about that. I wanted, I've wanted to do it for three years. And so we have gone through and, and listed, if, if there's an area you need help as a pastor of a small church, hopefully we've got that covered. If we don't, we will cover it. But it's to point people to you or to point people to Chris, to point people to find the resources. Because we want to help. Our, our vision is to, is to bring healthy change to every church in America. Well, we can't do that personally, nor do we want to. But if I could connect them to you, I mean, you got all that experience. Why would I not do that? So, that's yeah, it. and we'll we'll connect to that resource guide in the show notes as we will to all of the other ministries that are represented here today. So, Kalani, um, I'm going to say, and this isn't particularly a leadership tool, but I'm going to say the first five out through Proverbs 31 ministries um, because it's it's something that I use every single morning as my initial devotional tool and they will send you for a small fee um a if you want it a <laughs> oh you, i thought you were laughing at me <laughs> you're just choking um they'll send you for a small fee a steady guide to go along with it if you want it but it's not it's just completely optional but um i found it a great tool for me it's something that i do every single morning before i do anything else and it's something that i have been able to prescribe as a point of discipleship to women in our church um because women are super busy i know almost none who are just stay at home wives and mothers anymore and so it's something that that is very easy for them to do and takes them through the books of the Bible, you know, on a consistent basis. And um, and I'm all about uh, things that we can hand our people that will make them successful in the things that we're trying to disciple them in. And if you can spend 5 to 15 minutes in the Word every single day, every single day, um, it's accomplishable, and over time, it is incredibly enriching to them. The so. first five app? First five app. First five app. All right. Carl. Um, okay, this is not revolutionary, but it's, it's, it's been uh, a... a bit of a game changer for me. Um, because of our involvement in doing this conference over the last few years, uh, my wife has forced me <laughs> to uh, broaden the groups that I have on my Facebook. Okay, So I've got a senior pastor group. I've got a small church pastor group. Uh, I, I don't know how many. And so this is kind of like, oh, you're, you're, your new thing is Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you. Yeah, you're 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 really blowing up there, aren't you? Dude? I knew you um, catch up. Here's the thing. These guys, uh, some of them are, are uh, pastors from across the nation. One of the groups. The other one is uh, international. Um, and uh, I have this very small circle of pastors that I interact with in my town. And uh, I am seeing things and hearing things uh, through this that has so broadened my uh, understanding 
of uh, the the shape that the church is actually in right now, and some of it is thrilling. It's it's it is. so encouraging, and some of it is terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you get all of it. You get all of it, but uh, it's it's really broadened my uh, scope, my vision of uh, what's really going on. Oh, great. Facebook. All right, third question. We'll start with Dale on this one. What's the best piece of ministry advice you've ever received? And I'm terrifyingly going to you first, Dale, on this one. It's really simple. So when we were on the road, we had our music group, there was a guy named Roger Breland who headed up a group called Truth in the 70s and 80s. He was my mentor. And uh, when we were on the road, we were dying. We couldn't pay our bills. We couldn't get bookings. And... I called him at home. This is pre-cell phone. That's how old I am. So I caught and left a message on his thing called an answer machine. So those are two things. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was always on the road, but he happened to be home that night. So I left a message, and the message was, "Hey, Mr. Breland, this is Dale. Uh, we're dying out here. Call back if you care." And I hung up. Whoa. So about two hours later, he calls me. He said, "Boy, what's your problem?" I said, "Man, we're dying out here. We can't pay our bills. We can't get bookings. We I just don't know what to do. How do you know when it's time to quit?" And B goes, um, well, did God tell you to start? I said, yes, sir. He said, did God tell you to quit? I said, no, sir. He said, do you want to honor God with your life? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> he says, well, Dale, it sounds to me like if God told you to start and God didn't tell you to quit and uh, you want to honor God with your life, you need to stick with it. Because if you quit now, you'll just have to start over again one day and you'll be further behind. That shaped my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. never forgot it. And I was twenty-something-year-old kid. God told you to start. He didn't tell you to quit. Stay with it. There you go. That's huge, Chris. Um, I would say, hearing um, this came from multiple sources, and um, I've read this too. But setting the the list of priorities in my life early on setting them for myself, not letting anyone else set them for me, but putting my my walk with God first, my family next, and then ministry. And and doing so with, with strong and healthy boundaries. And even though I received that piece of advice before I even started ministry and throughout, it has taken me a long time to actually implement that <laughs> advice. But uh, that's what I that's what I go by now. I think that's great. Right. It, it's particularly hard in ministry because it's really easy to equate putting the church first with putting God first. Exactly. They're not the same thing, but it's yeah. really easy for us to play that game in yeah, our heads. Yeah, yeah. That's the big challenge. Growing up in the 70s, a, a, a revivalist would come to our church and they would say, it's God first, then your ministry, and then your family. Mm. They literally mm. verbalized that. Yeah. And as a kid, I'm going, why would God have you get married and have kids if that was true? Yeah. But they literally would say that. That's great. My, my family is my legacy, not, Amen. not my church. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Kalani. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm waffling between two. I'm going to go with this one. Um, we raised four boys in the ministry. Neither Carl or I were pastor's kids. And so I remember asking a friend uh, who did grow up as a pastor's kid, I said, is it, really, is it really that different? And he said, oh, Kalani, he said, do not ever underestimate this. He said, it absolutely is. And uh, I and I, I don't know if this is going to be a, a a really succinct piece of advice, but I I went to a women's conference once, and it was when one of our kids was particularly acting out, uh, which he did for some time, and it was a struggle uh, for for me, uh, especially for both Carl and I, but for me especially, and I remember the Lord spoke to me, just so clearly he said Kalani I want you to worry about Daniel less and enjoy him more and I, I know that's not uh, it, it, it might uh, might be a little hard to relate to but what it meant to me uh, was to not worry so much to, to trust God with Daniel yes but to not worry so much about how Daniel reflected on me mm. or my ministry. That's good. Um, and I, b- I believe that somebody out there has, has got to uh, 
got to be going through that kind of thing and, and, and needs to hear that. Um, enjoy your kids. Love your kids along the lines of what Chris is saying. Uh, they're absolutely your priority. Uh, our kids all found places in ministry, um, but it has not been a uh, bumpless road uh, for any of them. Um, uh, and there have been a couple that have struggled a lot uh, over the course of their lives, but um, but God has been faithful, and we let them be them in the midst of our community of faith. We did not fight every battle for them. We did not stand between them and our people. Um, we allowed them to make their way in relationships with people and in their relationships with leaders that were over them, and we let them be who they were, whether it was sometimes kind of embarrassing <laughs> or not. And it, and it is proven out. It is proven out. They've lived grace-filled lives, and, and uh, they've continued to love Jesus. So, yeah. I don't know. Great. Carl? Uh, Ted Roberts was a mentor to me for about five years, and it was following a time of what I had perceived as very disappointing uh, results in pastoring in my life. And he he pursued me and asked me if I would be interested in uh, planting a church in the town that we're in now. And uh, when I met with him, uh, I said, Ted, I don't think you know who I am. I I've I've had these disastrous things. It wasn't moral failures or anything like that. It's just it didn't work out real well. And uh, and he said, "Oh, Carl, uh, I wouldn't be interested in talking to you if you didn't have blood all over you." That sentence turned a key and opened a door for me to view the difficult things that I had been through in ministry as process instead of failure, and it turned shame into hope. And it, it literally uh, made my outlook on everything, ministry, family, uh, everything different. And God, my view of God was different. So that's the that was critical. And I didn't think it was Ted talking. I think it was the Holy Spirit speaking through him. Yep. Wow. Well, that's amazing. Well, we're going to go from the high to the low in this next question. Because <laughs> this has been some heavy and great stuff. Well, what's the funniest or weirdest thing you've ever seen happen in church? And Kalani, you get to start because you're the only one who hasn't started. <coughs> you're first up on this one. I Wait, know you it, have stories because oh I've heard gosh. some. I do have stories, but of course I go kind of blank. But, okay, can I say this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. Um, I'm going to try to do this as delicately as I can. Okay, this wasn't this wasn't so much as a, a seen thing as a heard thing. Got a phone call from a young gal in our church um, <laughs> one week, and uh, she said, um, "You always plan baptisms for the end of the month." And she said, "She said." No, where this is going? Can you plan them for a different time? Because that all time, are, all the men are covering their faces here. Can you see that? That time isn't working out for me. What did you do? I, I had a stroke. Okay. <laughs> A lot of red faces in there. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> That's hilarious. All right, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to follow that one? I, I will. So, I mean, I've got millions of stories. Of course you will. I've got millions of stories. But one of my favorite all time, we did an Easter production every year. And if you've ever done an Easter production, you've got these stories. We had this thing. We had a winch that we'd pull Jesus up through the ceiling. 
we, so we tied Jesus up to the. We had the. Shelley's Shelley is laughing. She's a Californian. So, so and we, her pronunciation of winch. Winch. So it's, it's not the girl on a broom. It's, it's, it's the thing on the front of a, a Duke power truck. You heard serving winch. Yeah. So anyway, the thing that we, you can say it however you need to. Anyway, so we have G, we have this this harness we built for Jesus, and there's a wire over each shoulder, and so he's holding his hands out, and, and we we hazed the room really thick, and then Jesus ascends up to the roof. Well, the guys that put the winch on him twisted the cables. So when Jesus started going up, he started spinning, and then he started rocking back and forth. And so, and then the guy he's swinging back and forth and rocking him. I mean, I'm just losing it, you know. And then he gets about halfway through the ceiling, and the battery died. So, 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 so the bottom half of Jesus is just hanging through our ceiling, and the spotlight's on him, and nobody will cut it off. And so that's just that's one of a million. Wow, the semi ascension of Jesus. Yes, he didn't quite make it. <laughs> I don't. Chris has got nothing. I got nothing. All right. I got a good Go one. Okay. Uh, when we uh, first started meeting, we meet in a campground, and uh, it's a campground, and it's uh, it's uh, w- the the best positive you, word you can use is rustic. But back when we first started meeting here, it was not rustic. It was. Uh, uh, health code violation <laughs> and, uh, and uh, one year for uh, for Easter we had this group from up so- somewhere in Seattle and this they she would uh, I don't remember what it was called but they had these paintings she'd done these paintings of the different stages of the Passion Week and and then she dressed up as like Mary or somebody mm-hmm. And she would unveil a painting, and then she would do this dramatic narration to uh, for these illustrations. That and it was, you know, what it sounds really corny, but it was pretty good. Yeah, it was very. I, good. I mean, she was she was good, and and she was nailing it. Um, and it was, you know, it was a a nice evening. We didn't normally do evening services, but that's when they were available to come and do this. So um, we're we're doing this and she's going along and we hit the time of the evening when the bats would come out. <laughs> and uh, we had bats that loved being inside our auditorium. Been there. And the eaves were not secure enough to keep them out. And so this lady is, is she pulls the, the, the veil off of the painting and she's doing this very dramatic narration <laughs> and the bat, there's a bat buzzing her head. <laughs> But she's not aware she of that. It, she's yeah. not aware, and she's watching the crowd going, "Oh, oh!" And she thinks we're really getting into this, and so she goes all the more dramatic. And this bat's buzzing her head, and I am standing in the back of the auditorium, just I'm shaking because I'm laughing so hard. But. You know, wow. you can't help bats. No. I guess that's it. That's what. That, yeah, 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 I think you're right to bow out of this one, Chris, because none of these are going to be topped by anybody no, anywhere. I got nothing. All right. Thanks, everybody. You're welcome, dude. We are done. Sure, appreciate your advice and your help. So, is it possible to have conferences that include great content for small church leaders? The answer today is yes, as long as we do a few things. First of all, small church needs must be kept in mind. Secondly, small church leaders need to be represented. And thirdly, if you have local connections so that you can get a bunch of small church leaders in the room, we will come and we will give them all the best content that we can possibly give them. Finally, if you'd like to become a Patreon partner for as little as $3 a month and help put these resources into the hands of the ministries that need them the most, check out our Patreon link in the show notes. This episode was produced by Veronica Beaver, edited by Jack Wilkins. Original theme music written and performed by Jack Wilkins of jackwilkinsmusic.com. Podcast logo was by Solomon Joy of joyetic.com. And me, I'm Carl Vaders, and I'm a small church pastor.
This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.